all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we're going to be continuing our discussion about healthy lifestyle as it relates to breast cancer prevention. Last week, we spent most of the show talking about nutrition and dietary strategies to help with breast cancer um, risk reduction, and we are happy to continue to talk questions about nutrition today, but we're going to explore some of the other lifestyle-related factors that we can work on in reducing our risk of breast cancer. If you have a question or a comment for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send us an email, fit at mpbonline.org, or you can hop on over to Facebook and go to Healthy Habits with Josie and interact with me there. Send me private messages, whatever you would like to do. So it is October. Um, I don't know how we've gotten to October. This year has, it's just been a crazy year, and it's it's hard to believe that we're we're in the last quarter of of 2020. But with October brings my favorite holiday, which is Halloween. So my house is getting tricked out for that right now, but also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we mentioned last week that we don't just focus on breast cancer awareness and prevention in October, but it is an excellent time to call attention to the topic of breast cancer and the things that we can do to reduce our risk of developing breast cancer, or if we've had breast cancer, how we can prevent a reoccurrence of that. And last week we had uh, Dr. Fiona Lewis on with us, who is a plant-based dietitian and chef, and she gave us some great Um, tips for making some changes to our diet to help with breast cancer reduction. And some of the things she talked about were moving to a plant-based diet. And we've covered plant-based diets on the show before. Um, You know, in essence, a plant-based diet is a concentration on fruits, veggies, grains, um, and plant-based sources of protein, and less emphasis on um, added oils and added sugars and animal-based products. And, you know, if you follow me on Facebook, you've seen uh, a lot of the plant-based recipes that I post there. I've been, actually, this is October, so this will be my, my two-year plant-aversary of being uh, plant-based. And I think I'm rubbing off on Kevin a little bit. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Like I'm wearing you down. Um, it only took 18 years to wear my husband down. So, you know, we've got we've got 16 more years, Kevin, to wear you down. Um You've made my black bean tacos before, yeah. which, which beans are a great plant-based protein option. Uh, but this weekend, you tried something that I think a lot of people are scared of. What did you try? 
I tried the tofu scramble. All right. Tell and, me about your experience with tofu. Well, I, I, for, I, as you just said, people are afraid. I was a little nervous, apprehensive. I don't know exactly why. First, you know, um, which kind to get. The recipe I found called for silken tofu, and I did find that. And I will say this, tofu is cheap. I mean, yeah, I got this is. big uh, <laughs> 16 ounce block for less than two dollars. Um, so um, I got it out of the. Uh, my recipe called for some um, green onions, and so I did that with a little garlic, sautéed that, um, and then uh, you were supposed to add a can of diced uh, tomatoes. And it said it specifically said in the recipe, add the juice. So I poured that in there. Um, the tofu, <clears throat> when I first got it out of the package, it. it it's kind of there, and so you're again. You're a little like, Oof, what is this? Uh, mm-hmm. But it came out of you know, it drained it. Uh, it mashed up very nicely, so I put it in there, uh, stirred it all together. <clears throat> but I would say, and I was, we were talking about this before we came on air. Uh, I think that the juice from the can of tomatoes. If I did it again, I would omit that because it it was a little bit um, more liquidy than the scrambled eggs would be. Uh, it also had some turmeric which I got some of that at the grocery store as well. And, boy, that stuff, it made it such a pretty yellow. I mean, it was it was nicer yellow colored than real eggs were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I used a couple of teaspoons of that, uh, some salt and pepper. And I did some, uh, cooked some, and it, it tastes pretty good. I had some again this morning, and it I think uh, being in the refrigerator overnight, uh, it, it might have absorbed some of the liquid because it, it didn't appear to be as runny as it was when I first made it. But, you know, again, in terms of the, like I said, the appearance is a little bit weird when you first use it, but um, when you dress it up, as it were, uh, it looked just like real eggs. And like I said, I love the color. And I think that's the thing about tofu. It's 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 a base, so you can do with it yeah. whatever you want because it's got no, it's not going to add or the flavors. It's the flavors you put in is what's going to be. Absolutely. It is a blank canvas. It tastes like nothing. Um, and so it's a great way to, you know, add some flavors that you may have been missing on a, you know, a plant-based diet, um, as well as to give you the texture of things that, you know, are similar to uh, what you may have gotten from a, an animal-based counterpoint in the past. So there are different types of tofu. You mentioned silken tofu. Um, and then they kind of come in different firmness tofus. So there is, you know, a much more soft silken variety that is very kind of gooey almost, you know, it's, it's almost like, um, like if you just pressed it, it would fall apart if you just touched it with your finger. And then there are more, um, firm and extra firm tofus. And you can use them for, you know, different things. The really kind of loose ones or the silken ones make great additions to like a smoothie if you're looking for a way to bump up protein content in a smoothie. And they also work well for desserts. Like if I want maybe a chocolate mousse or something like that, then using the tofu in place of, you know, the dairy and the eggs and those kinds of things that I normally would have done kind of give it that same mouthfeel. Um, when I'm looking to replace, you know, a main protein source in a meal, then I usually go for the firm or extra firm. And I usually just buy which one's on sale um, between the firm or the extra firm or which one the store has. Sometimes um, they don't uh, have one or the other. And interestingly enough, when the pandemic first started and you couldn't get meat at the grocery store, 
the tofu aisle was getting cleared out too. Like I couldn't get my tofu. I was like, what the heck is going on? Everybody's buying up my tofu, but that's good. I'm glad to see more people reaching out and trying it. Um, and, and the preparation of it is another thing that scares people. And it really depends on what you're trying to do with it. You know, for a tofu scramble, like you were doing, there's really not a whole lot of prep. You know, you kind of, it comes packed in, in water when you cut open the, the package. And so for a scramble, you really just drain that off and then kind of pat it dry and crumble it up. If you're trying to get it crispy, like, so a lot of people do that um, in stir fries and that kind of thing. I love crispy baked tofu. You got to get some of that extra water out of it, or it won't get kind of that dense, chewy texture on the inside that you're looking for and that crispy texture on the outside. So you drain that stuff and then, you know, you can buy fancy tofu presses and all this kind of stuff. And I just am not a fan of gadgets that only have one use. Like I don't have as big of a kitchen as I would like to in our relatively new ish house that we have. And I'm not going to take up drawer space or cabinet space for an item that only presses tofu. My husband would smack me. Well, he wouldn't really, but he would, he would give me the side eye about why I got that. And, um, I just kind of line a baking dish or a, you know, a sheet pan with some paper towels, put my tofu on there, put more paper towels on top, another sheet pan on top of that. And then I put my cast iron skillet, um, on top of that just to kind of press it. Um, and about every 10 to 15 minutes, I change the paper towels out until I get it kind of as, as dense as I want it. And I usually only do that for about, you know, about 30, 35 minutes or so, and then it's ready to go. And then I just cube it up. Um, and again, you know, my love of an air fryer, uh, and I pop mine in the air fryer very, very frequently. It gets nice and crispy on the outside. And then I can toss it with, um, you know, a little, I like spice. So like a little spicy chili sauce, something like that. And it makes a great, um, addition there. Now you can get flavored tofus. Um, there's a smoked one that sometimes I'll get. And then there's also a, um, actually one I just bought the other day, I haven't tried it yet, that is marinated in like barbecue spices. So, you know, that, that's something that I'll, I'll post about when I, when I give it a whirl. But I think it's very, very important that we remember that anytime you buy something that has been pre-seasoned, you can't control the amount of salt and oil and all those other things in there. So, you know, for convenience sake, kind of pre-seasoned items can be a time saver, but you have to be cognizant of the fact that you can't adjust, you know, the salt content if it's something that, that you, if you're watching your salt intake there. So that's kind of the quick and dirty on, on tofu. Um, so I would definitely say, don't be afraid of it. Um, it won't bite you. Um, you bite it and it can be flavored in a variety of ways. And, oh, I forgot. My, one of my other favorite ways is to replace ricotta cheese with it. Um, so I just put it in a food processor and just blitz it up um, with um, different spices and garlic and those kinds of things. And uh, it makes an excellent addition to your lasagnas or stuffed shells or any of these other kinds of items that you're looking for. Um, there to, to give it that kind of that cheesy feel that you got going on. So it's a great replacement for that one. And so that's just one option for plant-based proteins that you can sub in when you're looking for ways to, to ditch some of the meat. Um, it is a soy-based product. Um, so, you know, keep in mind there, if you're allergic to soy, 
You wouldn't want to do tofu. That would be a bad idea there. But it is an option out there for things. Some other ones that, ooh, Kevin, I'm going to challenge you to try tempeh next. Okay. So it's also a soy product, but it's kind of compressed down into a little cake almost like and you cut it and do different things with it so that's going to be your next kitchen experiment we've got to get you um live doing some of these these cooking demonstrations where we watch you and all your culinary greatness attacking plant-based nutrition there i'm dr josie bidwell associate professor of preventive medicine and nurse practitioner at the university of mississippi medical center Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and today we're continuing our discussion about breast cancer awareness and, in particular, risk reduction through lifestyle changes. If you have a question or a comment for us, you can do that now. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 or you can send us an email, fit at mpbonline.org. And we're gonna go on, whew, we're gonna go over to the phone lines and talk with Sue in Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. I, I'd like to ask you a question. I um sure had read and heard this was several years ago that plant based estrogens, you know, are estrogens and that it was affecting women's estrogen levels and may have been some kind of a background cause of breast cancer. Is that true or is that just a rumor or what? Well, you know, like anything in science, it's one of those things that have evolved. And so when I was in nursing school and NP school and those kinds of things, that was kind of the predominant thought was that the estrogen inside of soy-based products, and those are phytoestrogens, could increase the risk of breast cancer. And since that time, there's been a whole lot more uh, research done on that and the the newest research is very, very promising that that's not the case, that the phytoestrogens don't act on, on the breast tissue in the same way that kind of naturally occurring in the human body estrogen does, and that it may even kind of block the action of uh, the estrogen that we have in our body and be protective. Um, looking at some of the cultures that have more... Uh, soy intake and the lower risk of breast cancer. Um, so it's very promising that, you know, it's not as, as great of a risk as we thought and may even be protective in some cases. So when you go on like American Cancer Society and Susan G. Coleman and those kinds of things, um, they do list it in one of the, in one of the topics that are 
uh, emerging uh, as far as the science around that. But in plant-based uh, land, we tend to, to say soy is okay, especially in those that have just an average risk of breast cancer. And we do it in, in moderation, just like with everything. So I have about one serving of soy um, per day. And, you know, either that comes from the soy milk that I have or from the tofu. Now, of course, every individual should talk about any dietary changes that they um, are thinking about making with their personal healthcare provider to make sure that there's nothing in that medical history that would um, make them shy away from that. Well, could I ask you another, could I ask you a question? Sure. Uh, uh, That's what I'm here for. I shows about nutrition. It, I've always heard that's what we were taught first. Well, the first thing in nursing school was that beans and rice eaten together form a complete protein. But is that still true, or was that just has that been yeah. discounted, or what? So, complete proteins refer to having all of the amino acids at at one time. And so, we used to think again that we had to combine them at the same meal to get the, the benefits, right? So we had to have maybe the corn and the beans at the same time or those different things. And now we know that we just want to get that in the in our day, right? So we want to eat a variety of things in our day and we don't have to actually eat it right at the same time. Oh, but we do want to strive that. for complete protein. Yeah. So, you know, nutrition science is one of those things that just grows by leaps and bounds. And, uh, you know, we've got to got to keep looking at what the science says. So it's a good thing. But, yes, we want to strive for complete proteins, but we don't have to get them all at the same meal. Well, thank you. You're welcome, Sue. All right, going to go to Patrick in Richland. Good morning, Patrick. Oh, hi. Um, I was just going to let people know about cooking tofu real quick. I love to yeah. cook with tofu. And if you have a dehydrator at home, you, uh, you marinate it and then either mm -hmm. crumble it or cube it or whatever you're going to do with it. And then run it through your dehydrator for a bit before you cook it or marinate it again. It becomes all dry and crispy, and you don't have to sit mm -hmm. there and worry about it. You can just set it in your dehydrator and walk away. Uh, and Do you press it beforehand, or you don't have to press it? it? No, you don't have to if you're running the dehydrator on it. Cool. Um, yeah, you can marinate it, dehydrate it, marinate it again if you want. Mm -hmm. Get it all kind of really good deep flavors. The other thing I definitely recommend people doing this time of year uh smoking it yeah you got your grill going you got your smoker going just stick that diced uh or cut up and marinated tofu in there and run it through your smoker That's that would make a good a good um, uh, health thing for it but it's really good <laughs> <laughs> well you know um you know we try to uh, to limit you know smoked things and and yeah. grilled things and those kinds of things because of the emerging data that we see on you know kind of advanced glycosylated end products and those types of things but in terms of looking for a replacement for that flavor that you normally get from turkey this time of the year if you're trying to have a plant-based thanksgiving that could absolutely be an option yeah, right, do you have a right marinade yeah. you can absolutely imitate ham too it's really good. Oh, man, I'm going to have to get with you because you sound like you're eating some good tofu over there. Do you have a favorite marinade, like seasoning blend that you put on your tofu? Um, soy sauce. Uh, I, I have that's too many. I mean, I <laughs> you have too many. Well, we're going to have to get together and, and talk about this tofu. So that's great. But thank you so much for giving us a call and letting us know about that. All right, we've got one more caller on the line. We're going to Becky and Jackson, who's a breast cancer survivor. Good morning, Becky. 
Well, good morning. Hi. Happy uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. How are you? Hi. I am doing well. How are you? Tell us what we can do for you today. Well, I just wanted to chime in on the uh, plant-based diet. Um, yeah. I had uh, a mastectomy when I was 41. That was 20, 20 years ago. And um, what did, uh, did the tamoxifen, did the chemo, the um, adromycin, cytoxin cocktail, mm. for, and then uh, did the tamoxifen for five years, and then was okay um, until 2016. And it was mm. because I had, like, corner syndrome when my eyes wouldn't dilate. And so they did a CT of my chest, and I had it in my sternum, in my, in my lungs, in my ribs. It had moved to like five places, so wow. um, I immediately I stayed here in Jackson. I immediately went on uh, weekly um, a Braxane, which is Taxane mm-hmm. type of chemo, mm-hmm. and um, did that for six months. And um, my PET scans began to get better. But one thing I wanted to say was, you know, don't worry so much about the the phytoestrogen or the plant estrogens. Mm-hmm. If you go, if you want to go from a meat-based diet to a plant estrogen diet, it's really easy. And I believe that exercise, good nutrition, and good water are all something, and lots of prayers are all what make me a survivor of 40 years with metastatic cancer. Um, yes. I'm kind of the poster child. I am one of the voices of hope for American Cancer for 2019. And uh, Susan G. Komen and American Cancer uh, Making Strides Against Breast Cancer are both feeling the hit of COVID. They're down mm-hmm. 80% on their donations. And I just wanted oh. to tell everybody in Jackson, Table 100 is having a Real Men Love Pink, that wear pink, uh, fundraiser tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. So uh, anybody that wants to contribute to uh, American Cancer Society, uh, feel free to come. It's a fun event. Um, they have a lot of guys dressed up in pink, but every day I wake up to pink, you know, and, and for, mm-hmm. and for most people, that's not the case, but as long as I'm living with cancer, which I still am because my, my cancer is still in my sternum. Um, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to preach that, you know, get your, get your mammogram. If you can't afford it, we have a free clinic through the department of health in Mississippi and Jackson where you can get, um, you know, your uh, breast, uh, your mammogram. So mm-hmm. there are ways to, uh, to do some preventative care. And I appreciate what you do. I think good nutrition is very important. And I think just having a good attitude about life is really important. But oh, little yes. programs like yours really tell, give us information that we can use. And I yeah. just want to tell everybody, happy pink month, because I'm going to be wearing my pink, and I'll be carrying around a pink, a Halloween basket full of goodies. So. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, you know, I am so honored that you chose to call us today and to share your journey and your story and the things that you have found helpful and for giving us that great information about, of course, the free resources for getting screenings for women as well as the Table 100 event tomorrow um, so that we can Bye. continue to support the fight against um, breast cancer and warriors like you, my dear. That's it. Go, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Pink Month, and thank you for giving us a call. Okay, thank you for being on the air. You're welcome. 
All right, guys, I'm so inspired by that last caller. If you're a breast cancer survivor and you want to share your story today, I love to hear those. Um, They make why we're on the air and the information we're trying to get out um, worth it. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and today we are talking about and honoring Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and in particular, lifestyle as it relates to breast cancer risk reduction. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 if you want to give us a call. You can also send us an email, fit at mpbonline.org, or hop on over to Facebook and talk with me there at Healthy Habits with Josie. We have a caller in Starkville. We're going to talk with Shirley. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning, and thank you for your program. You're welcome. Uh, what can I do for you today? Okay, so um, uh, my sister is a uh, breast cancer survivor. I am okay. a thyroid and parathyroid cancer survivor. Uh, so uh, I'm very pleased that, um, you know, informational programs like yours uh, are, are on. My question has to do with um, mobile mammography unit. Uh, my church has a, a an annual health fair, mm-hmm. and uh, I have been bringing to our health fair the mobile mammography unit from Tupelo, mm-hmm. but um, about two years ago, it was discontinued. Mm-hmm. So I want to know if you know of the availability of a mobile mammography unit in northeast Mississippi. Yeah. Hmm. Near the Golden Triangle. <laughs> I, I know. I don't, off the top of my head, know of any. I know that Belk used to um, do some mobile mammography uh, things as well, although I haven't heard anything about them this year. Um, so I don't know, but I will certainly do some digging and reach out to some of my contacts in North Mississippi and see what the options are there for mobile mammography or for, you know, we usually do an event at UMC called C-Test Treat where we do um, free mammograms and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know if there's any listener who knows, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that chime in for me, but can you send me an email so that I have your contact information so that when I find out, you know, if there's anything available, I can send it to you. It's fit, F-I-T, at mm-hmm. mpbonline.org. Oh, hold just a minute. Okay. Okay. 
at mpbonline.org. Okay, yeah, uh, because we, um, and we always had a number of ladies who who came and, mm-hmm. um, and I paid for those who did not have insurance. Uh, so it's a very, uh, it's something that's very necessary. Yes, uh, yes, to, yes. To, and what a sweet soul the, you are to do that. <laughs> to have the, uh, well, I'm just so thankful and blessed to be a cancer survivor and mm-hmm. uh, uh, whatever I can do to help people to, you know, because early detection of any kind of cancer uh, saves lives. It, it, yeah. You know, helps in the, uh, um, and being able to uh, survive it. So, yeah. um, well, thank you. I, I will email you and uh, I, I hope that, um, you know, at least someone, even if it's, um, you know, the Golden Triangle, we serve as my church, right. the Golden Triangle, right. uh, okay. Starkville, West Point, and Columbus. Um, okay. But uh, as I said, Tupelo was a place that, you know, made it available to churches and and right. various community organizations. And it's something that's very, um, that, that, you know, there would be a, a great need for uh, mm-hmm. that service again. So Absolutely. I, I wish I knew, um, but I will okay. do some digging. I will, I will kick over all the rocks I know and, and see okay. what I can come up with and, and send you and reply back to your email. So make sure to send that to me. So, so that we have it so I can get you the information. Okay. And thank you again for your program. You're welcome. Thank you. For oh, and calling. happy 50th uh, anniversary to MPV. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're looking pretty good for 50 years. Yes, I think so. All righty. <laughs> All right. Have a great rest of your day and your week. Thank you for your call. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, bye. All right, guys. If you want to get on the line with us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So I want to step back a little bit and talk about knowing your risk and, and your risk for breast cancer. And there are risk factors for the development of breast cancer. And it's important to think about the fact that there are kind of two groups of risk factors. And that, and these same two groups are for the, the majority of all kind of chronic diseases that are out there. They're modifiable risk factors and non-modifiable risk factors. And so for those non-modifiable things, those are things we can't change, right? Like we can't change our family history, so to speak. Uh, We can't change our age, um, those types of things. And then we look at the things that we do have control over being able to change, those modifiable risk factors. And a lot of those are going to be lifestyle related, things like our weight and the amount of exercise we get, whether we smoke or not, how much alcohol um, that we use. Those are some of the, um, the risk factors for breast cancer development and they're pretty doggone similar to heart disease and diabetes and all these other um, chronic diseases that are out there. When we look at chronic disease in general, about 80% of chronic disease can be linked back to some type of lifestyle factor as at least contributing to an increased risk. Now, this morning before the show, I took a little little trip around Google land to see what risk tools were out there. And there were a couple, of course, Susan G. Coleman has an online 
risk uh, kind of calculator that you can put your details into. I actually did one um, that was called assessyourrisk.org. And it asked lots of different questions about family and about lifestyle and, and all of these different kinds of things. And then kind of gave me a uh, report about my risk of breast cancer, as well as things that I could work on or modify or change to help, um, to help with that. And so a screening tool is just that. It's just a screening tool. If it tells you your increased risk, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get breast cancer, but it is a great time to start to look at some of those lifestyle factors that could be changed to help decrease your risk. And it's a good thing to take to your healthcare provider at your annual wellness visit and to just kind of start the conversation about your risk for chronic disease in general, as well as chronic, uh, or as well as the development of, of cancer. Um, and when you should get screenings. Um, over the past couple of years, the screening kind of recommendations and guidelines um, around uh, mammograms have kind of gone back and forth depending on which organization you look at, you know, American Cancer Society versus U.S. Preventive Task Force and all these other folks that, that kind of issue guidelines. But they all have a commonality that at age 40, you at least need to be having the conversation with your healthcare provider about what your risk is for breast cancer development, your family history, any type of genetic mutations that are in your family history, and when would be best to start your um, uh, mammogram screenings. Uh, they pretty much all agree that at age 50, you should be having routine mammograms. Um, the, the spacing between those varies between one to two years as well. Um, but I, you know, I am at increased risk for breast cancer development due to family, some pretty close family history of that. So I'm 38 and I have been getting mammograms since I was 35, um, based on the, the risk conversation that we had with, uh, with my healthcare team there. So it's always important to just kind of start that conversation with your healthcare team, assess and know your risk. Um, and then proceed with the best screening tool that, that uh, is appropriate for your age and uh, the type of breast tissue that you have as well. Um, some of the other things that you can do is that self-breast exam at home. Um, you know, you will get to know what your breasts feel like and be able to pick up on anything that changes uh, from month to month. Um, I usually find the best time to do that um, is not right before your menstrual cycle, if you're still having a menstrual cycle, because the breaths do tend to be lumpier or bumpier and, and a little bit more difficult to assess then. Usually about a week after your menstrual cycle is a good time to do that. And in the shower, um, when you can soap your hands up and those kinds of things and be able to feel you're looking for lumps, you're looking for bumps, you're looking for things that didn't feel that way last month, any changes to your nipples, any rashes, redness, dimpling, anything like that, or just anything that you're concerned about is a great time um, to bring it up with your healthcare provider for that. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. for joining us today on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and we've been talking about breast cancer awareness actually for the past two weeks on the show, and we've had some great callers today. Now, we're in the last segment of the show, so if you have a burning question for us, our number is one mpb ring But we are going to go over to the phone lines in Florence and talk with Roger. Good morning, Roger. Well, good morning. I've never heard this question addressed. Thank you for your program. This is just wonderful, by the way. You're, you're uh, welcome. Thank you for I'm calling. I'm listener. Uh, but I have a question that I, I don't know if it applies to my family, but it may apply to someone. We okay. have a, well, my, my four sons have in their uh, heritage on the maternal grandmother's side uh, breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, in several of that generation and so i've never heard the question addressed as to whether there is a risk factor for males and then of course if there is then should we be getting some sort of of test uh, periodically in order to be have early detection excellent question so there is male breast cancer uh it is of course not as common but it is still out there um i think i've had two patients with male breast cancer um over the years um, so that, you know, would be a individual risk discussion that you need to have with your healthcare provider about which family members have breast cancer, the types that they had, how old they were when, uh, when that was at onset. You know, it's never a bad idea to do, you know, those self-exams as well, you know, feeling in the breast tissue area up into the underarm as well um, to make sure that we don't feel any lumps or bumps. But if there's a strong family history... Um, it's absolutely something that you need to discuss with your healthcare provider for kind of individualized risk assessment. Now, I never heard you say the, na- the word male during that whole discussion. So, that's my question. Oh, I, I did. It, yeah. So, male breast cancer, yes, um, can absolutely happen. Um, and I was saying I've had had two patients throughout the years that have had ma- that no, were no, I, male I, with I breast cancer. I heard all that, but but the precautions okay. that you're suggesting. Are the exact same ones that you suggest for the world? You're saying that uh, four sons, uh, one generation removed from the history of breast cancer, should be doing these things? Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Kevin, Thanks we've got some more callers. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for giving us a call today. We're going to go down to Gulfport and talk with Helen. Good morning, Helen. Good morning. Hey. Hey. How's um, Gulfport today? It's warm and humid. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think it's supposed to cool off tonight. What can we do for you today? Well, I know you're talking about breast cancer things, mm-hmm. and it's October, and it's that time of the year. The reason I'm calling is I have a friend 
that started using testosterone pellets, the bioavailable uh-huh. testosterone they injected into her rear end. And um, then she quit using it that way because the person that was doing that for her moved away. Anyway, so now she gets the cream and uses that saying that that will help decrease her risk of breast cancer, also decrease her abdominal fat around her organs and mm. give her more energy, um, and cetera. And I am, I am concerned about it, but, um, you know, I don't have anything to base it on. I've tried Googling right. things and not coming up with much other than the advertisements for the bioavailable hormone pellets. Right, right. Is she under the care of an endocrinologist that's replacing oh. this for her? Oh, no. Okay, yeah. So that's always my recommendation on any type of hormone replacement. Um, you know, of course, if it's um, appropriate for a gynecologist to manage that, that's one thing. If we're talking about um, other types of hormone replacements, then I usually loop in an endocrinologist for this because we never just want to throw hormones on top of something without knowing what our hormone levels are and whether that's actually necessary or, or needed. Um, so, you know, either a gynecologist or an endocrinologist would be the appropriate folks to help with that, but not without kind of the supervision of, of a, a metabolic specialist. Sure. Now, I think that uh, she has uh, now recently gotten, I don't know if he's internal medicine or family practice doctor, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. he's the one giving her the cream now that she rubs mm-hmm. on her arm. But I don't know how much um, study. I know she requested it mm-hmm. because she liked the body slimming and such. Yeah. And, anyway. Nothing's a magic bullet, you know. No, I there, agree. There, there, <laughs> nothing, nothing is a, uh, a magic bullet. You know, if there is a true testosterone deficiency, um, then replacement can be helpful in terms of improving sleep and cardiometabolic profiles. Um, but we also want to support that with the lifestyle, right? We've got to be eating to support a healthy metabolism. We've got to be sleeping to support a healthy metabolism and exercising and all of those different things in there. So it can be a useful strategy, but, you know, difficult to say without, you know, knowing that there was an actual deficiency there. Sure. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for giving us a call. All right, we're going to hop over to Jackson and talk with Carol. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. How Ms. are Keith, you? My voice is my voice is kind of. You got a frog in your throat today. Got a frog in my throat. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, well, cough him out. I'll, Let's talk about it. <laughs> well, mine is just short. Uh, I wear wigs. I've been wearing wigs for mm-hmm. several years, and I just like to reach out to the to other women who wear wigs and mm-hmm. ask them when they get wigs are tired of or they want a different style, just keep them aside. When you get a few uh, together, please donate them to somewhere like St. D's Cancer Center. Okay. Because it will help these women, their self-esteem. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Because yeah, our so hair is like our crowning glory. And it, just, it is. I know it helped me, so I just... Remind women, donate. Yeah. Just Do donate. you? Is there? Is there? If I Google um, the cancer clinic at St. Dominic's, will I come up with some contact information for them? You think? 
Yes, ma'am, you will. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah. I'm going to look into that, and I'll post over okay. on my Facebook page um, some information about that and encourage people to donate right. those wigs that they're that they're, that they're changing up their style and getting getting a new wig to donate yeah. those for other women. Women empowering women. I love to, to see that. Um, yes, thank you so much, perfect. Carol. For, yes, ma'am, thank you so much for your call today. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. I'll be safe, and God bless. You as well, my dear. Thank you so much. All right. In the last couple of minutes of the show, I want to talk about exercise because uh, it is a powerful tool in overall health and wellness and in cancer reduction. So we harp on weight a lot and uh, getting to a healthy weight and maintaining that weight as a way to lower our cancer risk, as well as lower our risk of you know, heart disease and diabetes and all these other kinds of things. But there is a pretty strong link between exercise and breast cancer risk reduction as well. Um, and so the question I get asked most often is, how much do I need to be exercising? And you can, of course, give that a Google, and you're going to come up with lots of different things, depending on which site you go to. And some of it can be quite overwhelming. Um, you know, one site I was looking at this morning said five to seven hours per week. And that's a lot, especially for someone who is not routinely physically active uh, another area I went to said three to four hours is good as well. And again, that can sound kind of daunting when, when you're looking at three to four hours a week of exercise if you're not currently physically active. And so my recommendation is always to look at where you are in terms of your physical activity and make a plan to increase that to a certain goal. And then once you get to that goal, celebrate that you got there, right? It's a big achievement. If you've gone from not being active to being routinely active, don't celebrate with cake, mm -mm. celebrate with some new shoes or something, um, but then set a new goal, right? So kind of mm, guidelines for baseline physical activity to you know keep our heart healthy and help support a healthy weight are 150 minutes per week, right? That's two and a half hours if you look at it that way. For some reason to me, it sounds less daunting if I think of it in terms of minutes and I break those minutes down into days um, because that becomes 30 minutes a day, five days out of the week. Um, but again, you don't have to start there and those 30 minutes all don't have to be done at one time. You can do it in little snippets, right? If you're not routinely physically active, there's no need to hop up and try to hit those 30 minutes overnight, right? You're more likely to hurt yourself that way. You're more likely to get discouraged and fall off the, the habit. So just starting with five to 10 minutes of walking one to two times a day for three to five days of the week is a great place to start. It's just about building the habit and when you get in the habit, then you increase the, uh, the time that you spend doing that, um, you know, and write out a plan. So it's not just this kind of vague concept that you have going on in your brain that I'm going to exercise or I'm going to walk. Make it very, very concrete. So on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7.30 in the morning, I'm going to walk for 10 minutes around my neighborhood, right? That's a much more concrete thought a much more actionable item um, than just saying I'm going to walk. Because when we say I'm going to walk, we most often don't do that or we put it off to the next day. 
Um, another thing that I have patients do when I'm working with them on building an exercise plan is to put it on their calendar, whether that be a paper planner that they're using or some type of electronic calendar like I use because it dings at me. And it's like, hey, girl, it's time to exercise, right? It's a great way to get a reminder in that you have to go to an extra step to, to get rid of. So it's a great way to just establish that habit of exercise. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. We are a Yucca Drive-In Theater. We're the last operating drive-in in the state of Mississippi. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Freaked me out that you could come and drive your car and park and watch the movie outside. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast.